Welcome to the Final Girls podcast, where we talk about the final girls and the final girls only. The movie, I mean, not just ourselves. I'm Anna Bogutska, co-founder of the Final Girls Collective and your podcast host. If you're new to the show, we are currently in the final 2010 stretch of this fourth series of the podcast where we're looking at teen horror in depth, very much bending the definition of who gets to be a teen in a horror film and exploring why teenagers and very often teenage girls make for some of the most compelling protagonists and villains of the subgenre. Today is probably the most unhinged double bill of the series so far. We've got Detention from director Joseph Kahn from 2011 and The Final Girls, uh, directed by Todd Strauss-Schulzen from 2015. One is a bonkers time travel meta-horror comedy and the other is a very earnest time travel meta-horror comedy. They're both great in their own individual and very different ways. Joining me to discuss both of these films is returning guest, horror connoisseur and film producer Jen Handorf. Be warned, we had a full animal house in this episode, so both Jen's dog Moose and my cat Vlad make guest appearances in this episode. A quick reminder, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Final Ghost UK. And if you can spare a few seconds of your day, please do leave us a review on Apple or Spotify. I appreciate reading them so much. Usually I would do a spoiler warning because we always spoil the films that we're discussing, but to be honest, there's actually no way we could spoil the tension. That's how insane this movie is, and it's not that widely seen, so I'd actually encourage you to listen even if you haven't seen the movie, and maybe you'll be intrigued enough to discover it. And I love, love, love The Final Girls, and we, we don't really spoil the ending, so do stay for that part of the episode if you need to be convinced to watch it or to rewatch it. And with all of that said, please enjoy our take on the tension and The Final Girls. You know what? I can't believe, Jen, the last time that we recorded together, it was pre-pandemic. That's bonkers. And it was in the very first season of this podcast, which I feel like I should apologize to you for. <laughs> what did I do? Was I that bad? <laughs> no, you were great. You know, I still sometimes to myself repeat the jokes that we did during that's that episode. Good. That's that's You know when you can get inside jokes from one, <laughs> one afternoon discussing American Horror Story, uh, then everything's good. Yeah, you know what? I'm glad that was great fun too. And and this as well, I because rewatching for that and then rewatching for this was really a lot of fun. Um, it was it was great to to get back into these films that I hadn't really you know, or in that case, TV show that hadn't um, hadn't really seen since they came out. I mean, I'm going to rectify this and just be blowing up your phone constantly now to talk oh, about films. But let's do it. Let's do it. This way, you 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 realize because Dan, um, my husband Dan, does the Arrow podcast, and so at the mm -hmm. moment he gets to sort of uh, prioritize his the because they're for the podcast. He has mm -hmm. to watch them. They're for the podcast. And then when I told him that no, I was watching Detention last night because it's for a podcast. It was like boom, Detention straight on the screen. <laughs> so I'm I am down. Give me give me a reason. I'm 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 doing some vampire films for Mike. It's it's like you guys program my season all you want. I love Amazing. it. I love it. Excellent. Just send me the ones that you want to talk about, and I'll program an entire season I around like it. that. It's now a cadre of uh, of film programs. That's fantastic. Um, but yeah, no, these are wicked. These teen, these teen horror films. I don't feel like I, I don't feel like there's enough of them now. I don't know if you've touched on that with anybody else, but in watching these, mm -hmm. and I realize, I realize that uh, Final Girls is only, well, I mean, seven years old. Okay, that's not only, is it? That is ages ago. Um, aside from like remakes, like the new Halloweens, there's not really a lot of teen slashers or teen horror films about if i made that up or you know what you're the first person to bring that up and as you were talking i think you're right because even as well there's so there's quite a few films yet to go um in in this season but like what i've 
been doing with the season is to like stretch the concept of the teen mm. horror film as okay, much as possible. Enough. So like I'm including sort of preteens um, and sort of, you know, the 27 slash 33 year old actors who are playing yeah. teenagers as well or like undefined age young adults who were like elder teens, you know, because Kevin the, in the woods, yeah, so generous, generous they like, adults. Because like, uh, what I was gonna ask you, but like, in, in I'll get to this kind of in a in a bit. It's like there's horror films that are about being a teenager, which is a a horror film in and of itself yeah. for anyone. And then there's the kind of the teen horror format, which I don't think exists anymore. It's bonkers, right? Like you get stuff. Uh, I I kind of, you know, like we I mentioned Cabin in the Woods, mm-hmm. but and and even when you look at these films, they're so meta, they're so mm-hmm. incredibly meta, even when we do have them now. But it's almost, um, I feel like maybe Scream killed the teen horror movie because it it made it, it made all of the tropes uncool in a way, or it made taking the tropes for face value uncool mm. because it turned them on its head um and that's that's my thesis and i'll be <laughs> but um but yeah it is it's it's unusual and and i mean less so with detention and certainly more so with final girls it does seem like these more modern teen horror films are referential or meta or we're looking a- back yeah, or or yeah, exactly. Like uh, looking to the eighties, or well, like um, uh, Fear Street last year, which was great. It's like a trilogy of teen of teen horror, but it is also very much kind of looking looking back at the era and at the moments when teen horror was at its apex. You know, in the seventies and then in the nineties. That's so spot on, and it's very yeah. That's really interesting. I you know. Maybe like I'm just trying to think of films, mm. but like you get films like Happy Death Day. Yes. Um, but that's not. I mean, it's not really. It's sort of only barely qualifying, really, isn't it? It's much more about her and her story than it is about the, the ensemble slasher of it all. But um, but it's it's not far off. But yeah, it's interesting. Mm. I wonder why that is. Young people of the world. Why are we no longer giving you your own teen slasher stories? Why what? must we reflect on our own bygone eras? <laughs> I think it's I think it's the slasher that's gone, not the teen horror. Oh, of that's it. true too. Okay, yeah, that's because true too. there's like because I'm look I'm I'm cheating and I'm looking at my list of films that I'm yet to cover. It like you know I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna talk about um like the Black Christmas remake, which is set okay, in a yeah. university, and that's more of a slasher thing. But then like Veronica, which is a which is a teenage horror. She's a teenage protagonist, but it's a it's a possession movie. Or then stuff like Knives and Skin, you know, the Jennifer mm. Reader film, which is like basically a Twin Peaksy and sort of you know what happens after there is a murder type thing. And then like Freaky, which is a yeah, body swap movie. Freaky. Yeah, and 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 how how nostalgic is the body swap movie? Yeah. Um like it's it's definitely nostalgic, isn't it, these kind of films? Um and maybe maybe that's what it is. Maybe when we were younger they were for us hmm. and now they're still for us, but because of that they're skewed towards an older audience for a nostalgia value rather than skewing younger for novelty. If that makes yeah. sense. Um, to be considered. A lot um, to think about. But I was gonna the thing I was gonna ask you, Janice, what is your own relationship with teen horror? Okay, so I suppose I've oh gosh, I'm trying to remember like when I saw Scream or when I saw <laughs> John Carpenter movies or anything like that. Um but uh I don't I really don't think I came into them until well after my my initial romance with horror began i think Mm -hmm. because my way in was was through much more sort of psychological aspects i really honestly in quite a quite a a geeky dorky way i think my my way in was when i had to write an essay on the slasher at university i love it (laughs) Um, i love it i never uh, knew this um uh yeah i took a oh man so i went to columbia film school which was an amazing experience for a lot of reasons um but one of them was that i actually got to take a class that was on the history of horror films mm-hmm. um and it it started like focusing on todd browning and it's how i learned about uh like films like in the 70s films like sisters and just loads of stuff i hadn't really come across before as as well as you know the typical knowledge um 
and yeah, we got to write papers. Obviously, you know, it's, it was a very paper heavy school. So we were writing papers every couple of weeks. And one of my papers was on uh, the evolution of the slasher film and how it came out of for the sexual and see so so much of this I don't remember I don't know like some, to some people this will be old knowledge and yeah 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 they've heard it all before but maybe some people are, are not aware a lot of it came out of the um the uh, sexually transmitted disease scares of the 1970s and 80s mm -hmm. and that's why sex was vilified um it wasn't a puritanical response it was literally sex was killing people um and so there's a lot of uh critique and critical analysis about the fact that these films developed out of uh the AIDS scare mm -hmm. but putting it in a more sort of social commercial perspective um but yeah uh i i went academic on them i guess and mm -hmm. then and then watched everything backwards because the yeah i really didn't come to the halloween movies until much later didn't come to the you know uh scream i feel like i'm again i must have watched it when it came out but i don't have i don't have any really strong memory of it because mm. what was that late 90s 96 yeah yeah, yeah. Mm. so i i would have been 13 which 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 would have been perfect you know, yeah maybe maybe i didn't see it when it came out because my parents were a bit more puritanical but um but i certainly would have seen it by high school um but yeah, it's it's. I loved all of that, uh, like Idle Hands, mm -hmm. sort of Devon Sawa, the Final Destination movies. I definitely watched earlier; those were amazing. Um, do we count those? Or those? Yeah, they're not slashers, but they're definitely teen. They're absolutely I mean, they're, teen movies. They're they're definitely teen bump them off one at a time movies. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Ten little Indian sort of plays. Uh, but yeah, uh, I love those. Um, and if if you can hear my dog snoring in the background, just let me know. I will wake him or move. <laughs> I will never edit that out. Is it moose or is it pig? It's little moosey is over here oh having my... himself a nappy nap. <laughs> God, that's like that's like it's, doggy ASMR. I love it. Hard being this cute all day. <laughs> there he goes. We'll, we'll see if that calms him down a little bit. Um, so uh, let's mm -hmm. let's. Um, dive into these two films because yes. the the benefit and the curse of sort of programming like the series so far in advance is by the time I get to the like the final stretch I have not seen these films in a long time sometimes I haven't rewatched <laughs> them in like years so even since the first time I I watched them so occasionally it's like watching the film for the first time and then like I put them together for a reason and I'm gonna admit something I like I'd watched Attention probably in 2011, <laughs> and I had not seen it since. It's and such a funny film. Kismet <laughs> of these two films, literally, basically having almost an identical conceit. It's I'm, so funny. It's so funny. Well, it's so, wait, hilarious. But though, is that conceit in your mind? Because I feel like they sort of rhyme to me as films. They like they're not necessarily rhyme. mirrors, but they rhyme. They do. Like I remember detention being funny in a very um two thousand and like late Tumblr yes. state era. Oh my god! It's so. It's it would be. It's like the teacher who says on fleek. A little yes. Bit. Like it's very much being written by people who do not speak the way the characters speak. <laughs> yep, it's a it's a very much you know, um, and and we can talk a little bit about the style of it, or Joseph Kahn's kind of direction. It's not a surprise that he's a music video director who really exactly. rose to fame in the mid two thousands because this is next to hashtag horror, which I covered a few weeks ago. It's probably one of those like very mid two thousands films that people don't talk about enough and as just artifacts of its time i think it's fascinating it's especially i love what you're saying about his music video history because i i pegged that as well mm. and it's he was a cinematographer on like uh brandy music videos and yeah. like and i feel like you could really see that in this film it's it's almost um uh it's Oh God! Why can't I? It's almost Edgar Wright esque in mm. its sort of smash cutting and all this mm. kind of stuff. But Edgar Wright got that from MTV, mm. and this guy was the guy shooting tons of these music videos mm. that were from MTV. Um, so it's it's 
as you say, it's really not surprising. It is this director's movie. Mm. This is this is exactly it feels what he intended to do, and I think he does it successfully. It's it's a thing. Some people don't like these kinds of films, which is That's perfectly fine. fine mm -hmm. You know, people don't have to like everything, but if you can get into it and it's sort of um, pastiche, meta, you know, odes, sort of referential everything, then it's then it's great to sit mm -hmm. down with and eat popcorn and sit there and just be like, oh, this is so dumb. This is just dumb. I love it. I mean, it. we'll get into his videography because I have it in front <laughs> of me. And honestly, I'm. we can play a little game where you could just name artists and I, I can like guarantee that he's worked with them because this is un unbelievable videography. But before we go in, into detention too much, can you briefly summarize the the plot of the movie for me? Which I, fe I feel like that's a very mean request considering <sighs> the plot of this movie. I'm so sorry. That's fine. That's <laughs> fine. That's, you know, we're in a we're in a typical American high school. <laughs> As is depicted, I love it. I love these things because there's this like television version of high school that exists internationally outside of the states yes. as, as, as sort of the this is what it must be like and people all the time are like so what were your lockers like i'm like i didn't have lockers dude we didn't have pepper <laughs> like it's not it's not like that it's like mm -hmm. you know these these movies have a lot to answer for but uh you know you've got your ensemble of high school students and they are painted as uh you know sort of typical characters as they can possibly be when the opening character is introduced as a bitch bitch and she explains herself and uh is promptly murdered has her throat cut by a character called cinderella cinderella hella um <laughs> who uh who sort of plays background as a baddie for the rest of the film um, our, our real protagonist is the typical final girl, really, in, in Riley Jones. She's, she's kind of the before in those geeky to hot 90s movies, um, where it's like there's nothing wrong with her, but she needs to take her glasses off and undo her ponytail and then she'll be hot kind of a look. Um, I'm particularly, uh, like, I have a major hang-up with a pair of, um, denim overalls she wears later in the film that she says is her cosplaying from my so-called life from claire danes's character mm -hmm. and she's wearing a pair of denim overalls i digress but it's important to me um <laughs> denim overalls with uh like a daisy badge on them now for those of us who were who were there in the 90s uh this this was something people wore mm -hmm. but claire danes from my so-called life is like the queen of grunge She's like the queen of of like uh, flannel shirts and Doc Martens, and that hurt me to watch that reference so so wrongly misconstrued. But that's fine. We're gonna give Riley Jones a pass in this instance. Um, I'm gonna assume she as a character has not seen the series and was misinformed. Um, but um, anyway, I digress. So Riley Jones, the typical you know sort of final goal character. Um, uh, eventually finds she too is being pursued uh, by Cinderella. Uh, and before she can unmask the killer, she realizes that uh, someone's fucking about with time and the bear mascot has a time machine in it and they keep going back in time now and it's very confusing. And then they save the world as well. And I'm not jumping around in the narrative now. No. I've actually just told it in chronological order. <laughs> that was an incredibly linear synopsis <laughs> for a very non-linear film. <laughs> Um, uh, and, you know, aside from my digression about the, the Duggarees, which really clearly upset me, um, <laughs> I think I was pretty on point there. Um, I think so too. Yeah, it's, it's, it's such a, it's such an odd little film that is giving, like, it's giving you 1992, it's giving you 2001, it's giving you 2007, it's giving you all of these flashbacks and all of these sort of colorful interpretations of what these eras were um yes. it has that... a lot of those um something that is very prevalent now but feels very it doesn't feel dated but it feels very embryonic in this film mm. you know the big uh font on yes on top of whatever's happening you know this is in every single marvel movie now like this is everybody does this and it's become kind of incredibly conventional but here it's like an it's aerial <laughs> 
it's incorporating text. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and you know what's funny as well? Um, I'm, a, I, I'm a font nerd. I can recognize the fonts when they use <laughs> I have a whole it's it's I have a whole theory about this mm-hmm. about uh, it being about the uh, rise in WhatsApp and text messaging oh. and people being used to seeing text on their small screens and small pieces of text on their screens and interacting with them. Um, there's, 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 uh, they do it in Final Girls, uh, mm-hmm. but not in Detention, where, where a bit of, uh, like a text message pops up on the screen. Yeah. And I love that. I'm, I'm obsessed with that and the mm-hmm. evolution of how we decided to depict texting in film as yes. a language and the syntax of that. But that's, that's another TED Talk. That's um, another one that I'd love to <laughs> take you up on sometime. My favorite one is in Zola, when actually she just shoots the person narrating the text as I it's it. written. It's I gorgeous. It. I need but, to see that. Like, okay, so we've established the, the conceit of this film, which is everything and nothing all at once. Chaos. So <laughs> it's just pure chaos. Chaos. It is, as the kids say, chaotic. Yeah, exactly. um, so does this film does a conceit work with the style of filmmaking that joseph Kahn has see i think i think it all plays really nicely together i think if the film tried to be more mike lee or or any other kind of tone then a narrative this bonkers wouldn't work mm-hmm. i i when i was watching it there's there's uh there's there's that bit where the is it a cow gets a space cow gets kidnapped by aliens. I'm remembering that, right? Yeah. I didn't just briefly hallucinate. Um, I think it does. And, and yeah, and it's it's like a semi-animated sequence, and um, and it's just like, what what did this look like in the script, and how did these people engage with it? And um, I just it it made me really reflect on the fact that this is a writer director. Mm-hmm. This is uh. Maybe not a first feature, but definitely second feature. Early, second feature. There you go. Second feature after a lot of a lot of industry work. This script is bonkers, man. If somebody handed this to me, I'd be like, okay, um, lose my number. Uh, like it's absolutely insane. I can't. I've been trying to like suss how the film got made, and I really can't. I can't figure out who was like, yeah, let's give him six million dollars to go have a time traveling bear uh the film and the cow was, that gets abducted by space aliens the film was acquired by sony the film got like a proper release so does that mean it was a festival film before that it like, was that a it was festival indie, like... yeah and it won a bunch of awards at uh independent festivals there you it, go it got an award at the seattle international film festival it got a one award at fantasia at sitges at fright fest like this was i think the awards and the festival reputation it got gave it the boost for it to be acquired for by distributors this is exactly the film i want films to be this is what i want to happen all the time to be honest i can totally see this film working really well in the festival um environment like if if i was just going to see everything a festival had programmed uh, first of all i would 100% program this for a festival yes agreed b if i was watching this as an audience member not really knowing anything about joseph khan not knowing you know his music video career or anything i'd be like i would be so in for the ride because it's just like whiplash when you think you're kind of getting the hang of it, suddenly there's a boy who is half fly and he sprouts wings from his back when he's having sex. Yeah, that happens too. <laughs> and 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 then and then you never really come back to it. Like no. it's just sort of it's just sort and of the, there. There's an alien who's pretending to be a Canadian, and that's how they're going to invade the planet. It's 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 like all these little nuggets of story and character. It reminds me a little, for some reason, it reminds me of Rick and Morty. And yes. Their, especially their, um, their montage episodes, mm-hmm. the, the mix-up ones, where it feels like it's just a long conversation someone's having. And it meanders. And they're like, oh yeah, and this, and dungarees. And then they go back to the main conversation and never go back to the dungarees. And it's just, it's, it's much like this conversation. Um, but it's, it's perfect. It's perfect for what it is. Mm-hmm. It's a great festival film. I'm positive a studio would never greenlight this movie. I'm so delighted whoever put money into the damn thing getting made on spec and going mm-hmm. to film festivals, whoever did it, did. Because it's bonkers. 
and it deserves to exist and i'm so glad it does <laughs> it tr- it truly i just i wouldn't even know how to like pitch it to someone cuz i think one way of pitching it which is some of the reviews that i've read which is like you know oh it's like a horror film for the twitter generation it's like mm, no i think this is a film that was made for the tiktok crowd before tiktok was created and 100. i really hope that tiktok kind of resurrects it because sometimes they'll latch onto films and they'll discover them and be like oh my god you guys have just discovered this film nobody knows about it you know like they did with megan <laughs> is missing and then it'll just kind of go viral and have a whole new life with a new audience that have discovered it through these through through this platform i think the tension could be one of them because like Every single scene could be a TikTok. It's just edited it really in that well, dramatic style. It's over a decade old as well, which means yeah. that it's it's ripe for uh for nostalgia in and of itself. Um and it is, it's it's vignettes, right? Like yes. it's it's these small little which again, coming from music videos makes sense because that's how he was a storyteller. Um and it's it's not that it's a small film. Like there's huge camera movements, there's like they do they do big movie stuff in this movie it's just so incongruous <laughs> that that you're just you're sort of just holding on to the narrative as it unfolds yeah and let's talk about the teen of it all because there's there's so many characters some of them mm. are human some of them aren't but i think that <laughs> the three main ones maybe the two main ones are again these names clapton davis played by Josh Hutcherson (laughs) and Riley Jones. Okay, that's a normal name, but Clapton. Like, I don't live far away from Clapton, and every time someone would call him Clapton, I'd be like, are you joking? That's not a name. (laughs) That's not a human name. Ioni. It's it's like an Eric Clapton fan. Yeah, it's very, (laughs) it's very, Principal Verge. (laughs) I mean, it's, I mean, the Dane Cook of it all, I don't even want to give him the airtime. Yeah, no, let's not. I had forgotten he existed and I was happier that way. I but know. um but uh yeah, you know what? The teen of it all, it very much reminds me of that sort of um Gilmore Girls clueless kind of voice for teenagers mm-hmm. where they speak in pop culture references, they speak in this sort of rhythmic, fast, ten dollar word pop culture reference way. Mm-hmm. Um, which isn't natural. It's definitely hyper stylized. It's not the way teenagers speak, but it's not being written by teenagers. Yep. So I don't I don't think it's intending to be, you know, as I said, in that realistic setting, it's that hyper-realized, uh, hyper-realistic way. But again, I think that because Clueless came before this, it's become a sort of uh, language or meter for this kind of film, like, mm-hmm. a, like a poetic metric for this kind of film. Uh, where that cadence is really I'm trying to see if there's any quotes I can pull up um, but where that cadence is really considered um, I think it's also if I may say very American mm-hmm. that way of speaking that you, you don't really see that that form of dialogue in British films or, or Canadian films even um, but yeah it's it's uh, not depicting real teenage life, depicting a movie's depiction of teenage life. It's also like, I, w- I would even add like a music video's depiction of a movie's depiction of teenage life. Yes, 100. You know yeah, how like absolutely. Ariana Grande will parody, yes. reference <laughs> Mean Girls in one of her recent music videos, can't remember which. And it's like, it's that version. It's the copy of a of an imitation. <laughs> It, it, it absolutely absolutely it's a car co- and I, you know what i was gonna i was actually thinking about this in terms of final girls as well um mm. but uh but yeah it's even there's a there's a flashback to the 90s and mm-hmm. there's a woman wearing the britney spears uh uh oops i did it again yes cl- uh, school costume so it really literally is basing itself on those music videos rather than the reality of that era that's really cool i hadn't noticed that but you're absolutely right on that the fun fact joseph Kahn directed several music videos for britney including toxic and womanizer there you go like the music in this film for this level of indie indie weird little horror film is insane like there's everyone from britney to backstreet boys to like who else is in there? Because they use in 
insane amounts of music in this, don't they? Like, 50 Cent, Justin Timberlake is in here. They use music to, like, signal moments in time in a really I, cool way. I think if if I went through his producers one at a time, I bet that some of them must be music producers. Oh, 100%. Some of them must be music producers, and that that's how this film happened, mm. that he got a budget together from some people who trusted his other work hmm. because the stunt team, the camera team, like all of this stuff is brilliant looking. It's mm -hmm. well thought out. There's, there's, you know, they, they know it is as well. I will say they know it is because when the production designer's credit comes up, my God, this credit sequence, watch the film for the mm -hmm. credit sequence alone. Oh my God. The, it's so good. The handmade Etsyfication of a of a credit sequence has never been this unique and detailed. Um, <laughs> uh, but when it came up to the production designer's credit, uh, mm. it's a sign that Dane Cook walks past and he goes, "This looks shit," and tears it down. So they know, mm. they know where they're at. They know, they know they're good. But um, but yeah, it that's absolutely bang on. If you want to watch a film that is a pastiche of music videos of the early 2000s this is your one it's like it's like it's like falling asleep after having had a full bottle of nyquil and watching mtv in the early 90s oh my that's god this movie. <laughs> that's so spot on like I, I think this is like basically pornography like a porn film for anyone who has a tinkling for like nostalgia yes because oh my God. down from the nostalgia references porn. it really is because like you know the the dialogue is so quick so fast-paced and it's all references and it's both references from like the mid late 2000s to the 90s in like this most in this egregious way where it's like oh my god it's like it's too much but also it works because everything about this film is too much and the thing i mentioned the kind of the the music and the quality of the production like you mentioned these are all extremely pro prolific and very very good professional people yes <laughs> the product is absolutely bonkers but it kind of it doesn't age badly because it's all so very well made i feel like it may have even aged better yes like, i feel i feel like at the time it was a bit it was kind of in the middle it was a bit too wacky but not wacky enough but yes. now that we can look back on it that nostalgia really plays into it. it's it got like that added layer of nostalgia Total nostalgia for a nostalgia film i mean oh my god when in the first sequence in the introduction of um ione sloan they're like you know played by the same actress the h in bitch is hubastank which is oh I have not heard that word or the name of the band or their one song in like 10 years. <laughs> be grateful. Be very grateful. Um, but yeah, it's it's such a, it really is. And I, I, I wonder too, for that reason, you can see it not playing internationally because mm -hmm. if I can't imagine a lot of people in France really cared about Hoobastank or knew what it was, but maybe, I don't know. Oh, the um, subtitles for this must be insane to make. <laughs> Le Hoobastank. Um, but, but, uh, but yeah. I did want to ask you about something you texted me last night. Oh gosh, okay. About Josh Hutcherson. Yes, Now yes. known for the Hunger Games. Mm -hmm. All, you know, beautiful short king, all five foot five of him. Uh, <laughs> you... We're talking about how you were missing horror heartthrobs. And yes. I would love for you to expand on that. So I remember uh like the Devon Saws of of it all. Oh, I remember it well. And I'm trying to uh like so going back to like idle hands. Yes. And and this kind of thing. We used to have horror films that had uh sort of male heroes mm -hmm. in them um and i'm not saying it's bad that the final girls are moving to the forefront but for people who don't know devon saw before he got old he was in a little film called casper and now and then yeah, and he was Casper's basically like he was discount leo boy. he was discount leo he was like or or one direction guy or whatever uh and all all sorts of references there um and he made idle hands and final destination and you did you got these films where there was a really hunky guy in the lead and for ages it was absolutely devon saw i couldn't tell you who any of the other i bet if we went to 
whatever the uh oh oh i know what you did last summer <laughs> oh um, freddie prince jr there you go so exactly like in the same way that a teen comedy would have had uh freddie prince jr mm -hmm. um or one of those guys in it the horror films did as well and it was kind of brilliant you know it's it's great that it wasn't just all on the final girl but to be fair that's something that's developed out of I'd rather we were in this era where we love Vital Girls and there's a lot of female dread hor uh, led horror than back in that era where people were still saying that you couldn't have a horror film with a female lead and have mm -hmm. it be successful. Um, but I'm not pitching for a return to the to the old. Just give me some beefcake. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> but um, also the, the horror heartthrobs <laughs> are almost never beefcakes because the beefcakes I don't think work. Like you have you have to be a little bit vulnerable to be in a horror film. I find and exactly yeah. yeah, yeah. The beefcakes get killed off early because yeah. we have to prove that just being strong isn't good enough to to fight back. Exactly. Also, they never know how to fight. Like those are just you know, um, like superficial muscles. They don't actually do. They don't <laughs> yeah, make those, them strong. They're just aesthetics. They're skipping exactly. leg day, is what you're saying. <laughs> never skip leg day. <laughs> <laughs> if you've got to run from a guy with a machete, you're gonna you're gonna want to not skip leg day. <laughs> exactly. But I think I think you're onto something because you're right. Like I don't. I never thought of Freddie Prince Jr. is interesting because he was in those two movies. But then I was sort of Josh Hartnett a bit more as a horror heartthrob mm. because of the faculty. And yeah. then And then since then he like and then also. You know Halloween H two O. Yes, and then he went on to do Penny Dreadful, which he's you know very good at. He's like he's aged well. Like he's never been a very good actor, but he's got a lot of presence. He looks good on camera. Is what I'm saying. Well, um, <laughs> well, and this was the era of Supernatural as well. Which yeah, was like the two the two haughty brothers fighting. Oh, the Winchesters, everywhere. the Winchester yes, brothers, and the they're Winchester very brothers. they're very hot dad. And the, yeah, exactly. Oh my God, James. Uh, what is this? Um, what is it? Jeffrey oh, Morgan. Yes. Right? Slash yeah, Javier Bardem because they yeah, look exactly alike. <laughs> thank you. Can we all just agree that clearly they were twins separated at birth? I want them to play the like two widowers who go on a <laughs> hot vacation and like reconnect with themselves and have their hot girl summer together. I need this in my life, please. I, I don't think I would be able to sustain myself without seeing that film. Um, yeah, no, exactly, exactly. Though, like these these hot dudes who were in horror films, like Jeffrey, he's he's a special kind of hot. Let's be honest. Um, but um, <laughs> excuse, excuse, that's why we like that. Um, we'll we'll talk about some hot women later for balance. Um, but uh, but yeah, these films, it it really was like the characters were sexy. Like there was mm -hmm. there was a real, and not just not like. Not like in Cabin in the Woods, where obviously these are sexy actors who are beautiful and grown up, but like they were, they you were kids and they were sex kids and they, you know, like it was it was age appropriate sexuality, if that's what I mean. Yeah, but I think you're you're onto something that's like just being, you know, objectively slash conventionally attractive does not make you hot. You know exactly. what I mean? Like yeah, someone yeah. could have all the ingredients and none of the appeal absolutely 100%. whether or someone you know like Dewan Sama is like cute but not you know perfect looking his face is kind of weird and he's kind of you know he's not like a super ripped dude and you know it's not like the um, uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan I mean okay he's he's yeah, actually he's, like incredibly really good looking yeah but like Devin Sawa was set up via Casper and now and then like he was he was like the cute kid in all the Tiger Beat magazines we were yeah. in love with him as teenagers I do have I have to interrupt and let you know that um Urban Legends uh, yes. horror hottie is Jared Leto no I no I have covered <laughs> pass no. pass no <laughs> At the no. time, he was Jordan Catalano, though, so so we didn't, you know, we didn't the, know what we know. We didn't know. Oh, but also Joshua Jackson. Yes, uh, Joshua Dawson Jackson. Creeks, Dawson Creek. So this, it was a thing. The horror hottie was a thing. Although both him, uh, both Joshua and, and Jared, I mean, Jared's always a fucking creep anyway, uh, but <laughs> uh, both of them in Urban Legend actually play quite, like, quite creepy, leery dudes, so they're not like... Joshua does look very good. Well. well, at least Joshua is. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and yeah, it I and you know, maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm missing out, but I just I don't know that we I I haven't seen that being done with a straight face in a mm -hmm. really long time. Like we see it done either uh 
and and this doesn't mean like unfortunately you can't just cast somebody out of nowhere to do this you have to cast somebody who has a reputation for being a sexy dude hmm. um that's that's sort of that's part of this horror haughty thing because it's part of that uh mythology behind them that exists girls already have their poster on the wall and then they're in a horror film um but yeah i'm i'm you know filmmakers let it be known horror hotties they need to come back <laughs> horror heartthrobs yeah exactly I mean, now i'm thinking of like who might be the next one because i was i started thinking about alex wolf but he's not really because he's been in a lot of uh genre stuff in recent mm. years but he's not really considered a sex symbol or like a, a hottie and i i mean he's a very good looking young man but i mean He's not, not in the traditional, like, he's yeah. not going to be up on people's posters. It's yeah, not like, you know, like, if Harry Styles does yes. a horror film, which, by the way, yes, he totally should. Okay, I would like no, this. no, 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 the rest of the conversation is just a Harry Styles horror film brainstorming session, because I, let's, I, get, I, listen, let's get Blumhouse on the line. This does not make sense. This, hasn't this does not make sense for people who know me, but I'm a, I am a Harry Styles fan. <laughs> There, so there we go. It would be like having Harry Styles in a film, in a I horror would, film. Listen, I, I want to go to that so hard. I'm just, just... saying, I've been saying this on this podcast for fucking ages. Harry Styles should play Lestat slash Dracula. <laughs> okay. Well, or both at different points. Just, just because you want your fantasies up on screen, <laughs> does it, you know. No, I, because I think he has that, like, he's got, like, like you know, like that bisexual energy and all vampires are bisexual. This is canon. I've declared <laughs> it so. It's, <laughs> it's just It's just logic and canon. Um, <laughs> nothing to do with my own fantasy. Nothing to do with your own And also just, like, I think, I think he's got such a modern vibe about him. I think he'd I, be so great as a, as a vampire character because... Like, if there were real vampires now, like a millennial contemporary take on the vampire, the vampire's a seducer. Like, See, I'm down to clown. I'm down to clown with Harry Styles <laughs> as, styles as a vampire, but I don't want to lose, I don't want to lose my teen slasher with Harry playing the, uh, the you know, boyfriend who he thinks the baddie but ends up getting killed. Um, I need, I need him for that still. He's got uh, too many tattoos for that. I think he's aged oh, out of that. He's aged out. Oh my god, Harry Styles yeah. is aged out of something. You know, like Let's on, move on. <laughs> you know, like on Riverdale, where they all there's one character <laughs> who has a like of literally his entire are oh, both his arms are like covered in tattoos. He has a neck tattoo. I'm like, girl, you're supposed to be 16. <laughs> they're, they're, when yeah, did in, you have the time? <laughs> in 4H club, they all get to practice, uh, practice their their, their needlework. Um, but we digress. Yeah. The hottie in, in <laughs> detention is Josh Hutchinson. Hutchinson. And does he work for you as a horror as a horror heartthrob? I mean, like he's not my demographic. Like he's he's much younger than I am so I see him as a child but other than that yeah fine I mean he's but obviously obviously for Hunger Games people thought that about him so that's kind of you know he's been cast in that heroic hardy role he's kind of a prick in this though and it's not he's not really the lead either um like I feel like the Hunger Games of it all uh was that going on at the same that was started before that was later no that was later. later it was all later I feel like it may have been sold on the Hunger Games of it all to some extent because he's really just a secondary character. Mm -hmm. um, he's not even the consistent best friend character. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so I think I think he's getting higher billing than his character necessarily deserves. But yeah, he fits the bill. I mean, like they make him a prom king. He's wearing the Michael J. Fox time traveling outfits, like. He fits the archetype. I'm, I'm, I'm fine with this selection. Not, not for me as an individual, but I get it. If that makes sense. Yeah, I think he, they, so Hunger Games would come out the next year, so he was probably go. like making this, and by the they time knew that was gonna happen, yeah. yeah. And I think, and he's also an exec producer on this. He's credited as an exec producer. But there is one scene that I was like, oh, this is a teenage girl fantasy. You know, when he's like sort of writing with Riley on his skateboard. Yes, and she's she's stood on the back or stood yeah. on the front or something. Yeah. That's that's, what that's it, very cute. Yeah, there's there's a lot of like teenage wish fulfillment being written by mm -hmm. adults, which I find very interesting. But oh, I love totally. it. I'm down. I think I think it's lovely sometimes when it's not when it's not leery. And I I like I didn't get any leery vibes from this film, which is quite rare because this is not a good era for anyone. But <laughs> um there well, is there's, 
Yep. The the guy the guy who I can't even remember the the character's name, but the guy who is the ultimate baddie, he is a mm-hmm. he is a spurned boy. He is. He's basically um, like a, a like an incel. He very much incel. Like so even with a villain who's an incel, the film really does manage to not be leery or unpleasant. Mm-hmm. Even I mean they definitely talk about people's boobs and they make statements about like sexual statements all the time, but it never feels like it's punching down sexually. Like it's mm-hmm. always everybody's on the same playing field and that really that character is vilified for being that way for having Mm -hmm. that perspective god i'm going through trying to figure out who it is but imdb has all of their old old like modern photos and none of them look like they do in this film anymore (laughs) oh it it like uh his name is sander sanderson in the film there you go Spent a lot of time on that one, didn't they? Yeah. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah, he's 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 bulked out since then. He no longer he no longer looks like that. And oh, he, he now... did a he did an Anthony Michael Hall. Yeah, he did yeah. an Anthony Michael Hall, and he has now like doing guest pieces and things like Happy. So good for him. Good We're for all him. Happy for you. We're good all happy for, for you, AD Johnson. Good for you. But <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, it's. It's it's just such a bonkers film. Like I genuinely would recommend it to people because it feels so out of time and so perfectly in time mm-hmm. as well. And the whole kind of use of the 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 giant stuffed bear as a time machine. <laughs> it's definitely. Why not? I love that we've explained details of this film in detail. Sorry, we've explained scenes from this film in detail, and no one's no one's gonna know what's happening. It's still we've spoiled nothing. There's no there's no way yeah. for you to. Just- see what's happening happening from scene to scene oh that, and, uh, this doesn't even cover like 78 percent of what happens in detention <laughs> it's absolutely bonkers but yeah i i highly recommend it for anybody who who watched breakfast club but wished there was more people dying in it um <laughs> is definitely is definitely who this is for so let's let's move on to to a film that is um quite considerably more coherent. Um, <laughs> we've we've had to go quite far to, yeah. to to get something slightly more coherent than detention. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, let's talk about the final girls from Excellent. 2015. And I have a lot I have a lot a lot of affection for this film, but um and I really enjoyed rewatching it. But try uh, could you summarize it for me for anyone who's not seen it in a while? So conversely, this this film is a heck of a lot more straightforward. Uh, uh, a young a young woman named uh, Max, whose mom uh, who died several years ago was a scream queen, uh, goes to a screening of her her dead mom's uh, movie on her anniversary, and when a theater when a fire breaks out in the theater, she slashes open the screen to escape and finds herself with her friends inside the movie uh and the rest of the film takes place inside this horror film as she and her friends try to find a way to fight their way out and avoid the sort of michael myers freddy krueger killer perfect there you go (laughs) so so conversely i think this film has all the same kind of fun stuff from Mm -hmm. detention but there's a lot more character work going on yes um and uh the performances i think are a lot more uh engaging like you care about the characters as individuals in their story like not to say this is like a heartwarming tale where you care about everyone really deeply but to be fair in detention you're just trying to follow what's happening on screen (laughs) like you don't get a lot of time to engage with the characters as individuals this is really Max's story. She's really driving this. It's about her coming to grips with her mom's death. Um, and that's a lot of fun as that happens. Um, you've got uh, Aaliyah Shawkat. Uh, Shawkat? Am I saying that right? I, I can't be saying her Shakwa? name right. Shawkat? Is that, is that how you say her name? Her her from Arrested Development. Yeah, she's and- maybe. Yes, she's she's brilliant. She does great in this. Like she's, she's always good. So watchable, as is um, uh, Thomas Middleditch from uh, uh, Silicon Valley. Silicon Valley, thank you. And Adam Adam De- Devine, who I can't believe they got him for this. To be honest, because he probably blew up in Pitch Perfect just after mm-hmm. this and became his own leading man. Um, he's sort of a play. Is that your cat? Yeah, that's my cat. Yes, we've got animals in in stereo this now. Is animal um, house um 
we've got uh adam devine playing the uh horror hunk uh ode <laughs> which we can see what the horror yes. hunk has sort of evolved into this yeah. oversexed gross guy mm-hmm. um which is compared to alexander ludwig's character chris who is much more like he's the one from the real world adam plays the one from the the movie they've been sucked into mm-hmm. um so you know, detention, completely unique film, absolute chaos bizarre. Final Girls is doing nothing new. It really isn't. It's it's, you know, uh Purple Rose of Cairo, it's it's a lot of different things, and that's kind of what it is, but it does it all really well. Um mm-hmm. I had sort of forgotten about this film because it just does everything really well. Um and uh i don't think it should get deemed for that really there's so many films that don't land this tonal shift um as precisely as this has uh and and it's just it's unfortunate that it's not weird in any way it's sort of like the nice kid from high school who was nice they were great everybody liked them Aww. You kind of forget about them later, and then you meet them like, oh yeah, they were really nice. <laughs> well, I think that's a nice compliment for this movie because it is like it does have the earnestness, yeah, of sort of horror fans because it is um it's written by by two horror fans, Emma Fortin uh, especially is like has spoken and like in in full disclosure like he. I have like a a final girls related final girl story, oh. uh, which is really which I think is really cute, and I like this is part of the reason why I have a lot of affection for this film, and I do really like it because I think you're right. It's it's such a warm film for mm. a comedy horror. Like there is zero snark in this film. It's Even- great, which is which is quite difficult to achieve, I think, without being uh, cheesy. Absolutely. And it it isn't. It isn't cheesy. No, and, not and at all. No one should take that from what I'm saying as well, is that it's it's everything about this is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just not different. Like, there's nothing different enough about it for me for me to like I think always thing- remember it and have it stand out. Like as, oh, this is the film that does this the most for what any any one reason. And I think too, remember I watched this and then I watched Attention, which mm-hmm. completely blew my mind uh as as like so i'm literally going finally girl seems like a perfectly normal film for people to get sucked into a screen it's a perfectly average film um so i'm not i'm definitely not like hating on final girls in any way shape or form i loved it i loved watching it i think it would be like the greatest film for 16 year old girls to watch at a slumber party oh yes um like i think that would be so much fun and so mm-hmm. cool and exactly you know what you want to do i'm just checking what it's rating yeah it's rated 15 that's okay <laughs> um but yeah it's 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 a great great film but i also and it would do great at a festival in that similar mm-hmm. way i can see why critics might sort of let it slide by a little bit mm-hmm. if that makes sense i don't know T- tell me I'm wrong though, because I'm perfectly well, willing to be like uh, told I'm. I'm, I'm you can't be wrong. Off base. You can't be wrong. <laughs> I think you're you're very off base. I think critics did receive it really well at the time. Like this is from 2015, uh, so this is, oh my god, this is like around the first year that the final girls started, as in like my the final girls, <laughs> and because of the. Uh, the obvious we still like get tagged a lot um people tweeting about this film in particular and it we we met we i mean olivia and i met the director because we got put together in a panel oh wow um when the film was screening at somerset house like in the in the summer of 2015 or maybe this the summer of 2016 of course because it came like to london a year later and it's just it's such a crowd pleaser. Like we it really is. We, yeah, we watched it later on, like you know, in the open air in August at Somerset House in London, and it was just a gorgeous experience. And like hung out with Todd, the the director, and like he's really great. And it's it, like there's a I have a lot of warm regard for that film because of that association, because of the the experience of watching it, and like being able to do stuff around it and and hang out with the filmmakers as well I and think, kind of see that earnestness as well i feel like that would have been a lovely experience yeah that sounds like a great way to spend an afternoon and it is it is it's you know what it is as well it's that it's not controversial 
No. And you know what I did notice rewatching it last night? It's, for me, it's the sort of film that every time it like, if it pops up, I mean, I don't watch linear TV, but it like if I did, or if, you know, if it pops yeah. up in a streaming service, it'd be like, oh, hey, this has arrived. Like it popped up on Netflix last year or something like that. I was like, oh, I'll happily rewatch that any day yes. of the week. I think 100%. it's really rewatchable, which is a very big compliment i think for a film because a the attention economy right now is the main thing and like nobody has any time so if you're willing to commit recommit your time to something that's a big deal um and also because like the characters are really sweet i love the groundhog day i think it combines like uh purple Lotus of cairo and groundhog day in yeah, a, I see that. quite a nice way and also the meta horrorness of it all the wings and the knots and the cha 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 it is very like if you it's definitely one for horror fans. Mm-hmm. I can't I can't imagine what the experience would be like similarly for detention for someone who has never watched a horror film before. Mm-hmm. Um I feel like it it would complete they'd be completely lost because <laughs> it really plays so heavily on the on the tropes of that yeah. of that style. Um it is so did you guys take your well I mean you took your name from the trope presumably yeah and the, we, and the we film took our name as well we took our name from the trope and then the film like the final ghost was f- founded in like 2016 May 2016 and this had come out a uh, premiere that's South by Southwest in March 2015 but we weren't af- aware of this film until you know it we'd already started you're lucky it was good you're lucky it was good <laughs> <laughs> but it's like it's really, it's just a really warm, like, I would actually recommend it both for horror fans and for non-horror fans, because it's not really horror, like, there's a lot of kills and things, but they're not scary. It's not unpleasant. No, it's, it's, not, not. it's not gory. The thing that I was, um, that I forgot to mention is that, like, we're watching it last night, it is very inventively shot. Like, I don't think I just noticed just how inventive it was, because every single shot is just, like, it's trying to do something. It's going up to eleven in every single every single sequence. It's kind of incredible the amount of effort that's like put into the 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 visual language of this film because not a lot of kind of teen focused uh, horror films are that creative with their camera work. So I thought that was interesting too because this director also started with MTV and television and has since gone on and done. Um, Pitch Perfect, which is obviously like huge, uh, the TV series, not the not the movies, but uh, but it is it's similarly interesting. Like he's he's got that Flash style. Mm-hmm. Um, he did. No one will be surprised to hear he directed a Harold and Kumar 3D Christmas. Um, I'm a big fan uh, of the Harold and Kumar fa- films there, as well. You just and, and honestly, if you know that about him, it is very much like you get the film from him. It's it's as if the director of Harold and Kumar did a horror film okay got it boom clear clear pitch i'm in um but uh but yeah his it's very much his style and i think even though these are two films that are meta they're referential they're referencing horror films they're two very different tonal films Mm -hmm. and they're two very and and i hate auteur theory by the way because i think it diminishes everyone else who worked on the film but you can see these directors training and their eye and their perspective in both of these films so clearly to the extent that if they were directed by anyone else they would look completely different mm-hmm. um totally and it's it's interesting to get directors who both have a voice that strong and mm-hmm. also haven't done very much since you know, we know an Edgar Wright film when we see it. We know a Taika Waititi film. We know a you know a James Gunn film. Um, there's not a ton of directors who are making horror who we can go, ah, that's that's that person's movie. But these mm-hmm. both first uh, well sophomore effort and and um, first effort really bang on with their voices, like really mm-hmm. know how to say what they want to say. Yeah, I mean, Todd went on to make isn't it romantic? Which I quite liked. Uh, it's on Netflix. It's like a meta rom-com, which also feeds into exactly what you're saying. It's a very, very visually minded, very visually gifted director taking on and giving a meta spin, a very similar meta spin, if I'm honest, to a completely different genre that similarly to Sasha films and to teen Sasha films has 
very specific rules and tropes and and even shots like this is kind of digressing but i think it's interesting to your point when isn't it romantic was coming out uh the director todd strauss schulzen posted online like the the massive bible that he had done when he was prepping the <laughs> film like a genuinely like a 50 page pdf where he had like watched all of these rom-coms and sort of collated the type of shots that were so uh that kept popping up across all of these films across That's different awesome. eras and i'm like that is such i mean you know you know how everybody you know asks everyone who works in film like oh don't you want to direct movies I'm like no directors are a particular <laughs> breed of person that's how you know a director when you they think so in that like, way oh i wish i could i love a binder i love to make a binder <laughs> and it's you know it reminds me of uh kate heron as well mm. and and when she talks about how she pitched for loki yeah uh, the binder she did mm-hmm. i think i think that's that's beautiful it's so funny when you say that because it's so strange to me that not everybody instantly wants to make that binder. Um, but uh, you know what? You know what? I think you've hit the nail on the head because when you when you look at uh, Final Girls, mm-hmm. it's a, a horror film directed by a director who analyzes genre. Yes. And when you look at um, Detention, it is a music video cinematographer's horror film. Mm-hmm. And and that is you know music video director cinematographer's horror film and it is it is rather than them being horror filmmakers and this is part of their work and they make horror films da 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 it's them both stepping out of their comfort zone into horror mm-hmm. and giving it their take and it's yeah it's a lot of fun I think both very successful especially when you consider how many directors you know it's a very close knit. Um, genre and how many horror directors are horror fans Mm -hmm. um i think it's clear that these guys both have an affection for it but they're not horror directors like that's not where they live Mm -hmm. um and yet they've done a really fun send-up in both films and what i want to shout out as well is like the because i really like I, i really appreciate like um the inventiveness of both of them but with the final girls as well there is a lot of heart which i think comes from the mm. script and the script is um from ma fortin as so that's mark alexander fortin and joshua john miller and they're real life partners and there's i think ma fortin is on twitter as well and kind of tweets a lot like he's a horror fan like he's a genuine you know earnest horror fan and i think you can really feel that heart in the movie like outside of all of the the funny uh like all of these great you know comedic talents of their age who would go on to become um very well known for different ways i mean tysa formiga who's the lead is quite interesting because she's mostly known for horror stuff Mm. but like um match and amic uh no not amic that she's the one from Malin Ackerman, who is also very, very funny. And every time she pops up in comedy stuff, she's excellent. And she's got, you know, the looks of like the hot girl who gets killed, uh, penultimate in a Sasha film. But she's got like this earnestness and great comedic timing and kind of no sense of shame around how she moves around the frame. But when we did, um, like I, I, there's a real genuine heart that I think comes from the script, and of course, it's like it's it's seen through Max and her her grieving of her mother and her relationship with her mother, who is the the scream queen from the '80s. But there is also like a genuine love, and no, the meta ness doesn't come from a doesn't come from a desire to be meta and smart and kind of mm. oh look at me, I'm number one horror fan. I think it comes from a desire of being like these movies are really dear and near to my heart like affection. yeah and i think affection is different from fandom uh, because you can distill totally. that in a way that you can communicate it to people who don't who aren't fans but can understand and relate to having an affection for something that makes them feel um understood and warm whether that something is slasher films from the 80s or something entirely different that is universal yes. and like the meta-ness <laughs> of it all is the clever the clever posturing which really only appeals to a very particular um, segment of, of of fandom and of, and of audiences yes and it is you know we've talked about walking that line a couple of times and and these are definitely films that stay on top of it i'm i'm about to to make your week 
Um, M.A. Fortin and Joshua John Miller are having written and co-directed another meta horror film starring Russell Crowe, Samantha Mathis, David Hyde Pierce, and Sam Worthington. Shut the fuck up. And Jimmy Simpson. Don't forget <laughs> Jimmy Simpson. What? What? Look at that. Oh my god. Oh, this is and Adrian Pastar and Samantha Mathis? Out this year, apparently. Expected this year. Well, I'm going to be following that with, uh, Produ- with interest. Produced by Kevin Williamson? Oh, be still my heart. I'm literally having palpitations right now. Right? What's like, how have I not heard ah! about this happening? Come on, movie. This is going to be good. Oh my god. This is um, going to be great. So yeah. So this is like... This, this seems like... Uh, this is literally the best thing that's ever happened to me on a podcast. Just finding out <laughs> that, a, that a movie is coming out that I desperately want to see. I never get excited like this. Um, hey, I'm gonna, I've I'm heard gonna, nothing okay. of it. We've got to track it down. I've now. just, I've just, I'm looking at the Wikipedia page of it right now. But like, listen, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna tag them all in this podcast and be like, hey guys, what up? Come, come on the show when the what movie's up? ready. We, we heart you. We heart you. I do heart it's them. Important. They wrapped in 2019, so things are feeling good for this to happen. Let's send I'm here positive for, vibes out there. I'm here for the, <laughs> maybe it'll have a, a horror hunk in it. Um, well, I am here for Russell Crowe's horror era. Yes, I'm excited uh, let's for make it. that happen. Let's see. Let's see where it goes. Well, there we go. We've we've gone we've gone uh, looking backwards. We felt. No- nostalgic now we've got something to look forward to we've it's a we've perfect full cycle. circle so jen before we wrap up is there anything about either one of these films that you wanted to say oh my god uh, just watch them both you know i i was sort of like eh, going into like not eh, you know always enjoy chatting about films but like i, I wasn't like oh great i get to watch this again mm-hmm. and then i sat down and about 10 minutes into both of them i was like this is this is great fun this is just great fun <laughs> This is a good time. So, if you need a good time, I highly recommend these films. And uh, and yeah, I guess I'll see everybody, everybody at the cinema for the Georgetown project later this year. One hundred percent. So, Jen, thank you so much for your time and for your insight. And where can people find more of your like work online? Uh, well, people can either come shout me on Twitter at Jay Handorf, uh, or you can you can find my films where various films of quality are sold uh, on Amazon and Netflix. But but you know, just come say hi, and uh, and we'll talk about movies. Amazing! Thanks so much. Nice one.